this California, Oklahoma, and all of the places I ain't ever been to, but down in the valley with whiskey rivers, these are the places you will find me hiding, these are the places I will always go, these are the places I will always go. I know how you like those high pitches. We're back Saturday morning, November 7th, historic week, the Gentleman's Breakfast, episode 61, Jake. That is correct. Welcome, everybody. How have you been? How has the week been? How has the household now, a proud Colorado resident, how's it? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to you live from Denver, and isn't it sad that I'm in a house now where I don't have a bed I don't have a washer and dryer. None of these things. I, I barely have towels or soap. And yet, I have my microphone for the fake radio show that I do <laughs> periodically. Last night, Seamus, I ate a salad with my bare goddamn hands. Because Uber Eats now, they don't always include silverware, right? We got to save the dolphins or whatever. So I get a bag with a salad in it. And no utensils, and I, st- I stared at it for a good two or three minutes and then just finally went in with my hands. And I'll tell you, it's, it's one of the only times that I've left any scraps in the bottom of a bowl in probably the last two years. <laughs> what, what kind of dressing did you have? It was a buffalo chicken salad from Sweet Green. <laughs> so was there like a little ranch in there? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, some kind of frou-frou ranch and... It's all it, you know with the with the high end, like quote unquote or, organic salad. It's always stuff that's like what you would normally get, mm-hmm. but just a little different. So it's it's buffalo sauce and ranch, but both neither of them are things that you would expect to see at a quality establishment like a Chili's or anything like that. Did you at any point think about roasting or leaving a, a scolding comment or feedback? No, no, that one's on me. There's a button that you can hit for silverware. I just. Didn't think of it because normally I have that kind of stuff available to me. Well, that sounds like you got some sweet plans for the next week to get things outside of that microphone into the new. At this point, we're just waiting for the truck to show up. All my belongings are on a truck that's somewhere between here and Austin, uh, and they get here next week. And I'm sure they're just picking the whole thing up and dropping it on the ground repeatedly for good measure uh, before they get it here. Hmm. Wow. So, obviously some big things happened this week. Uh, election. Mm-hmm. What were, when did you start watching the coverage Tuesday night? Uh, it was probably 7 or 8 p.m. Mountain. And I got in a good 20 minutes on CNN mm-hmm. watching Wolf Blitzer go over to John King who is manning the big touchscreen board or whatever. And he's showing all these counties and whatever. And he, he, he did a good job. He kept saying, like, listen, the results are not final. We're probably not going to know for some time. This is just, like, hypothetically what could play out. This is what we're seeing right now. We're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to wait. And then Wolf Blitzer would turn and go back to center stage immediately after that and say, okay, we got a key race update. <laughs> 
all like like flashing on the screen and then they'd show three states and all of them would just say too close to call and wolf blitzer would read off all of the numbers on the screen with all these flashy sounds and stuff going on and then he would walk like we have fucking alzheimer's or something he would walk back over to john king by the touch screen boards and they would go back through the whole spiel again and then they'd go right back to key race update they had no panel or anything I could only handle 20 minutes of it. It was funny for the first 10. <laughs> and then for the next 10, I was fucking blown away. And I just went off and started watching other stuff. And I basically just watched the results on, on kind of, you know, on the internet, on my phone. The, well, what was your situation election night? So there was a very, I like to bounce around, right? I want to see both sides of who's playing right. what angle. It started out with a great jump here. Um, I came back, that's 6.30 Pacific time. And... MSNBC is on, and they got the panel. And I'll tell you what, the guy that was running the board on MSNBC, most passionate yep. man I've seen on television. He is super excited to report. He's dipping into counties. He's showing you what's showed up, where they speculate the mail-in is, what else can come in there. They're showing margins. He's getting really into it. And then you have Rachel Maddow just, like, rooting for a Biden victory. So, like, you can see the grief on her face when, I think at that time, yeah. you know, Things were not looking great on election night. Things were not looking good, and then I'm. Ohio was decisive. Pennsylvania looked like it was lost, but it was still early. And then I'm on a th- other thread where my, you know, degenerate gambling buddies are texting <clears> me <throat> saying it has wildly swung towards Trump in Vegas. Vegas never lies. Put some money down. Back and forth there. I mean, watching the the money line was really interesting. How much that swing, and then I think by the time it got to like nine o'clock there was a good nine o'clock uh, pacific biden looked better again than it looked like a coin flip but i think we went to bed yeah i mean the thing is it's it's a little hard to keep track of at home i probably got to find a better site or something but when it when it says that a state is like 50 percent reporting it's a little hard to figure out at home like which part of the state was reporting and um, you know, how many mail-in ballots are still out there and, and whatever. Because if all the rural ca- rural counties are reporting, then you expect to see Trump in the lead. And that's obviously what happened in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I was shocked when I woke up the next morning and it seemed like things had dramatically shifted. And I obviously listened to that dipshit speech at like 2 in the morning where he said, we're going to stop the counting. We don't want any more votes to come in. We don't want him to find any more votes at four in the morning. And it's like he doesn't understand. <laughs> I don't know if he doesn't understand. I think he or does. If he understand. really does understand. I think he does understand. I think he. I mean, he's a master marketer. I, what is it? Back in like Nazi Germany, they had this um, thing that they would instill. Like, if you repeat the same thing enough to the masses and you keep the message simple, people start to believe it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's always been true. So I think that's that's been his whole motto his entire life. So why not? I mean, it's got it in this far. Get me four more years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess for Obama that was change, and coming right off the back of the Iraq War that made sense, and the financial crisis, but obviously that message is too scary today so it's it's a little hard to distill down what you know basically moderate socialism or or you know 
centrist democratic views are into a soundbite that some dipshit that wears a shirt that says Trump that bitch <laughs> is going to understand. Yeah. Uh, um, and and I, what I learned this week is that 48%, like it confirmed my views that at least 48% of the country remains mentally challenged. I just, I think it just shows how diverse and different this country is. I mean, even him, even Trump getting so many votes is a testament. I mean, he gained in every demographic except white males from last. No vote for Trump is a sign of diversity. Um, and so I, I had this discussion with, with my father, right. Where, uh, he's, he's, you know, talking about two people. He, 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 you know, he says that he doesn't like Trump and he's like, yeah, but then on the left you have like AOC and Bernie Sanders and whatever, and they're going to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this in two separate pieces. One, you cannot judge either party based on the extreme ends of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying those people are absolute extremists, but they are probably the, some of the furthest people to the left. Yeah. So I'm like, you go to the extreme end of the Democratic Party, and that's what you get. You know what happens when you go to the extreme end of the Republican Party? You get literal fucking Nazis. And that is not a euphemism. That's like people with fucking swastikas, okay? So am I going to judge the entire Republican Party based on the fucking Nazis? No. So that means you can't judge the Democrat, the Democratic Party either on things like universal basic income or something like that. That's stuff that might be aspirational. Yeah. But uh, at the very least, this, the Senate is Republican. Uh, the House stayed Democrat, but the margin narrowed. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that is going to get through the Senate. So let's all just relax and let's try to not have a fucking ass clown that's going to destroy all of our foreign affairs. Like, how does anybody think that an orange-faced, like, comb-over motherfucker is going to strengthen our position internationally? Well, I think Um, think the core there is they don't really care. The message is simple. But keep jobs here, F China. Right, like it's a very simple message for people to follow, right? No, the the, the message is simple. The message is white people are good. (laughs) That's his message. Because, so the keep jobs here message, that is a democratic uh, policy, which I have always disagreed with Mm -hmm. on on, on the Democrat side of the aisle. It's protectionism. And the Republicans have always been the free market uh, part, not always there was a flip in parties Mm -hmm. in the mid 20th century but since that flip republicans have always been free market there are reams and reams of analysis that you can read about how long-term free market is better Mm -hmm. especially for the more developed nation (laughs) um and so trump has always come in with this like the fact that he can have at the same time, one, things that he said that you wouldn't allow your child to say, which yeah. what kind of fucking president has ever said anything publicly that you wouldn't allow your child to say? Two, he can right off the back of that pull the evangelical vote. And three, he can appeal to unions 
and and protectionists, right? These are all conflicting fucking things that do not work in a political ideology. But if you wrap all of that together with fuck minorities, <laughs> then a lot of people starts to make sense for them. Um, and that's, you know, we talked about this last time around that Trump is a mirror just showing us, you know, that this society is not as developed as we thought. Um, and he's an outlet for a lot of bad things that remain in the country. And I can't wait to fucking cut that off. What I'm really upset about is I wish that the Republicans had lost by a lot more so that they would actually make some changes. They're not in the going party. to. Because a strong Republican Party helps everybody. Yeah. Even if you're a Democrat, having like a good, Balance. logical Republican Party causes both parties to be better. But who would have thought like in this world, there was one other tidbit from the election night, which was really entertaining when I, when the, the fiance, the roommate went to bed, I was allowed to flip on Fox News. So I took advantage of that <laughs> and I flipped on Fox and... They get in and they they announce Arizona to Trump, and it's like seventy four percent in, and they're like, "Wait, is this true?" And then the panelist is arguing with their stats guy, you know, the the data analyst guy <laughs> on live television yeah. for about five minutes, and the guy's like, "No, this is it." He's like, "Well, like, why would you call this?" He's and he's like, and the guy just like apologized, like, "Look, I'm sorry, but like, we're very confident in this. This this is our position." Yeah, like, they they have rules that they decide on months before election night. In terms of what the criteria are to call something and statisticians and things like that. Even Fox News has that. Yeah. Um, because there is still a part of that organization that has some journalistic responsibility. Not much of it, but yeah. But so from that, right, we, we now we've had two or three more days. We've seen the ballots come in. You know, there's the five states, but now Biden's up in Georgia by 7,000 votes, Nevada, 22,000 votes, up in Pennsylvania, 29,000 votes, up in Arizona, 28,000 votes, and, you know, North Carolina is going to go to Trump. And all, all he needs is, you know, one of those states to go, right, and, and maintain yeah. Arizona. So it's very obvious, like, that's going to happen. And one <laughs> during all well, of this— it, it's it's not necessarily obvious on any one of those, but it's obvious that enough will fall to win the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. And during all of this, the main communication <clears throat> that he has is Twitter. And in the world of 2020, Twitter, which is a private company, has decided to start muting some of these things. So as of this morning, 1037 this morning, <laughs> Trump tweets, I won this election by a lot, right? Official sources may not have called the race when this was tweeted, is <laughs> the underline. Another one. <laughs> That's great. Another one that he has, some or all of this content shared in this tweet is disputed and may be misleading about the election, right? And then they gray it out. Like, yep. what world are we living in that we can gray out his echo chamber? Like, do you think Twitter had like a mastermind of like, let him let him get addicted to this as his main form of communication? And then when it comes the most crucial time, let's agitate him a little bit more. I mean, it's- No, not at all. Tw- Twitter was not prepared for this level. No one was prepared for this level of disinformation. Like the idea, I mean, say what you will about this country, but prior to the prior to the Tea Party, there was at least some uh, morality and values that uh, the leaders of the country kind of implicitly followed, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I mean, I'm not gonna, there's, there's been awful people in history and I, I'm not going to sit here and defend them, but they at least wouldn't say publicly what Trump has said privately. Like you look at like Nixon mm-hmm. privately, Nixon said awful things. Nixon was a horrible man, but publicly, did he say really anything like that? I don't think so. Yeah. I'll have to go and do some more research to look it up. Um, but no, he didn't say the stuff that was on the tapes in the White House. And why was that? Why didn't he say that? Wouldn't He probably would have gotten more votes in that point in time by saying that shit publicly. But he didn't. Well, because the truth at least means something, right? Uh, and the ideals of this country at least do mean something to some people. And all of that has just been... Like, it's it's going to be... 20 fucking years until this country is back in a somewhat normal place, I think. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think everything picks up. You, we go back. We were doing our normalized for three and a half years, and then we pick it back up. Everybody has opinion. I mean, it was contentious. Like, every conversation was about this the last three months, for me, in the world I was living in. Mm-hmm. But the highlight to me is people like... Um, Brian Williams, Anderson Cooper, when Trump com- comes on this week and said, you know, I won the election for the legal votes, right? And then yeah. MSNBC actually... If you count the legal votes, I won this election by a lot. If you count the illegal votes, they might steal this from us. And what I love is he's he's reading from a sheet in front of him, and he always, like, he reads from it, and you can tell, like, he's struggling to read it, and then he tries to, like, improvise off of it, right? He's like, a lot, <laughs> right? Like, he's pointing to the word on the page, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I agree with I agree with what this dipshit wrote here for me. But the best part about it, right? So like MSNBC, whatever network Brian Williams is, on, I think that's NBC or MSNBC, actually pulled away from his live presser, right? Like pulled it off, <laughs> right? Anderson Cooper, who probably rehearsed this statement, has been sitting on it for three and a half years. Goes after he, Trump goes on the rant. Anderson Cooper just calmly looks into the screen and goes, "This is the president of the United States, the most powerful person in the world," and we see him lot like an obese turtle on his back flailing in the hot sun realizing anderson cooper said that realizing his time is over yes said that on live television and like obviously went viral and people went nuts and i was like he has been waiting for this moment Um, because nobody takes themselves more seriously than journalists right um yeah but now so then I watched like McCain's concession speech in 2008. It was beautiful. Did you ever li- you ever listen to it or? Uh, yes, I, but I, I don't remember it. I remember watching it because I, I remember watching everything that night, and I remember watching Obama's acceptance speech. Teared up a little bit. Mm. I, you know, I was in college. I was idealistic then. You voted and, for Ob- uh, you voted for Obama. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um. Yeah, and he's just like, wow, like McCain just like says it so beautifully. He's like, I understand this is a historic day. And the first thing he does is like, you know, I'm saddened that, you know, Barack Obama can't share this with his grandmother, who is a wonderful human and very impactful. I understand how historic this is for the African-American community in our country, although we differ. Um, you know, this is a, this is a great movement. And I, I look forward in working with him to constantly improve this country, even though there were times where the crowd is like trying to come in with a boo. And like McCain is like, no, like I'm yep. gonna say these things. Do we get a concession speech? Oh, that's a great question. But on the McCain concession speech, I haven't rewatched that, but I rewatched uh, one of the town halls that he did 
I forget where. But he got a question from, I mean, this elderly woman who said, you know, Obama, I don't trust him. He's he's an Arab. And McCain literally takes the microphone from her mm-hmm. before she's finished whatever rambling shit she's going to say. And she says, I, I'm sorry, ma'am. Respectfully, he is not. Right? <laughs> he, he is a decent man, and he and I disagree on some things. Yeah. Um, but we both, you know... Uh, want what's best. And someone else said something else about, you know, like being scared of him or whatever. He's like, you, there's no reason to be scared of him, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, in terms of do we get a concession speech, I mean, the question is when would it be? Um, I mean, I would guess if they call Nevada, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the end. But he has all these lawsuits uh, that are – outstanding so he he probably waits um on those and i i don't even know what that looks like to be honest i'm not you know don't have the background to to really say how that plays out um i mean hopefully in the next this weekend the associated press or you know the powers that be call it one way or another um and I, i think it's healthy for the country in a weird way to understand how the counting works, where the counties yeah. are. It just makes everybody understand that this is a very diverse, different country. What I would like to see, because if you're if you're a realistic pol- Republican politician, this is your opportunity to shine. This is your opportunity to say, look, <clears throat> I have an opportunity to make a name for myself, kind of separate myself from this guy, and kind of be the name or the person in the future. Do you think anyone like really makes that attempt or do you think they just hold strong as like a team until it's like finally over? Uh some some people definitely make some statements, I'm sure. Like Scott Walker, the former Republican governor of Wisconsin, when Trump was saying that he was going to call for a recount in Wisconsin, which their state law says that if it's within 1%, they can do a recount. Um he said, you know, in 2011, we had a Supreme Court recount, and I think in 2016, they had a recount. Um, and he said both times, the Republican vote increased by 100. And the Wisconsin margin right now is 20,000 votes. Hmm. So Scott Walker, like himself, a Republican, a guy that I don't agree with on a lot of issues, said it is highly unlikely that they find 20,000 votes. Um, and also that would run ca- exactly counter to what the president said, which is we don't want them like finding votes or anything right now. I, I'm not going to disagree with a recount. Like if it's a fair recount and it's under state law, fine. You have the right to do that. It's not going to change the outcome of the election. Well, I don't think it's going to change the outcome of the election. It depends on, on how Georgia and Pennsylvania go and then it could. So, um, but yeah, I was speaking to some of my right wing conspiracy theorist people this week and they're telling me how this is a coordinated event, thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes in multiple states. I go, okay, even if, like, let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit, right? I'll play with you. Even if they do this, right, they had hundreds of thousands of votes across five different states, six different states, and then they're like, well, let's slowly lose the margin in Arizona, gain it in Georgia, have everybody pay attention to Pennsylvania, 
and keep Nevada close. Like you th- and I'm like, you don't think the Republicans would do the same thing? Like you, you don't think there'd be some counterplay? He's like, he's like, no, this is all done at state level. I'm like, so we don't have any type of Secret Service watching over this at all. He's like, no. And I'm like, I mean, it's state by state. I'm like, but come on, like hundreds of thousands of votes. That's a that's a lot of votes to make up. Like, that's I, I don't know. I could see doing thousands of votes. Like that seems right, doable. but you're you're framing it nationally. Uh, you 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 can't frame it nationally. You have to think about it in terms of state by state. Where, you know, like in Georgia, the gap is twenty three thousand, or no, 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 no it's seven thousand in Georgia. It's twenty it's twenty three thousand in Nevada. Um, so you got to think about it in, in in smaller terms because this was also after Obama won. Um, oh wait, what? Breaking news here, Jake. It seems like they officially called it for Biden here. They called Pennsylvania the the entire election. On from my from my Google update, this Associated Press has called the race, and they have given Biden Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah. I see that on the Wall Street Journal now too. Breaking news on the Gentleman's Breakfast episode sixty one. This is the first time I think we've broken news, Jake. Uh, yeah, I think that we <laughs> delivered this message to the country, so that's great. But uh, you know, let's maybe move. do you have anything else in the election no no that's it i think we, we went okay. for a while. i think we can go out on a high note on that is there anything else going on in your life that that you're looking at i think what i mean i go ahead no 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 you go ahead first. i was gonna say i think uh, i want to speak to our, our loyal listeners is i think we're all going to the same thing we're trying to separate a monday from a saturday and just have some type <laughs> of difference right i i just need I miss even the most subtle social engagement. I miss chatting with people at the coffee shop. I miss I miss the water cooler talk at work. Even the people I don't like. I miss asking them, hey, how was your weekend? Even though I don't really like you. It's just a. I think we're all still adapted and understanding that we're, we've got more you, months and months of you, this. You love talking to people that you don't know. Yeah. I mean, speaking of like interactions during COVID, though, something... That I thought about randomly the other day. I've, I've been going through the drive-thru a little bit here, okay? So I'm, I'm outside of SF now. You don't, I've, I've you don't need a, in Austin and you don't in need Colorado. A, you don't need a fork and knife through the drive-thru. It's just... Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. finally in a place where I can, I can roll through the drive-thru. Is there any place where you, like, pelvic thrust at somebody to get the wallet more aggressively than you do in a drive-thru have you ever noticed that motion where like they're standing there at the window waiting and you're just like full hip thrust right toward them going in the back pocket to get the wallet it's an awkward moment i actually i I pull my wallet out in advance now to avoid me hip thrusting the right at the poor person at the window yeah i mean that's got to be i never thought of it it's a great point you bring up jake I, I would love to maybe man the uh, the drive through desk for just two hours, to the window for two hours and see the type of people that come in there. Because you might see some people that are pretty obese that really struggle to get that thing out there, right? Or like the seat belt's a little tight. Like, you know, while you're trying to handle hand them, you know, three burgers and two milkshakes and you're like, mm, maybe we should have done just one burger, one milkshake. And it takes a few minutes to get there. It's an interesting idea. I've, I've never thought about it. it so now you, you're you so conscious about it, you, you do it beforehand. I, I do it beforehand. But, I, I look, I, I worked a concession stand at a movie theater for a summer. I don't need to spend any more time 
on the front lines like that. Speaking of being on the front lines, mm-hmm. I saw an ad the other day. So Matthew McConaughey has come out with a memoir. It's called like Green Green Lines or something. Green lights. Green, green light. lights. Yeah. It says that it's based on 36 years of diaries. So we're to believe that he's been keeping diaries for 36 years. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. My immediate thought is, let's think about in the midst of this crisis and all this stuff going on. Some poor editor somewhere had to go through 36 years of Matthew McConaughey's rambling bullshit and talk to him about all the pseudo-intellectual shit that he thinks is going on in that and piece that together into a book. I cannot imagine a more nightmarish year than trying to piece together the thoughts of Matthew McConaughey. And I like Matthew McConaughey, but I would not want to have to deal with that for an extended period of time as my job. It's funny you mention that because I, I listened to a podcast that he went on describing this. And, you know, typical elitist celebrity fashion he's like yeah i went out off the grid for you know the planned event to like collaborate and put all these thoughts together and go through it and then he gets about 10 days into it it's like then i got then i got a generator and like you know changed the scenario here because didn't really need a didn't need that for all the innovation right it's basically like i was uncomfortable now i want to go back to being comfortable uh but yeah uh to me, the the coastal elite argument is still very strong in this country. What do you mean by that? I mean that how it's very much divided with the vote that the coastal elite still cannot draw or understand the majority of the country. I think that um, I would remove the elite statement from that. And just say coastal um, because incomes certainly differ between the coast and the middle of the country. But if you think about like the truly elite people that I, I don't know if this is what you were thinking of, but like a, you know, a, a Peter Thiel, a George Soros, a mm-hmm. Bill Gates, these people that, that are brought up very small, very small percentage of the population. Right. And, you know, maybe people listen to them or not, but that's that's their choice. I would say the greater divide is just those those communities overall, which have a mix of incomes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there aren't 8 million rich people in Manhattan. There's, you know, a million rich people probably and 7 million people that are struggling to get by like everybody else. And maybe they make more money, but they live in a higher cost environment. Uh, so that's why they make more money. Um and they're doing different jobs, right? They have different um, skills. So that's a bit rambling. But yeah, I mean, when you look at the map, it's fucking divided. But that also, that d- doesn't tell the full story either. Because like, look at like Texas, okay? Texas is 5246. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the, the entire state of Texas is not Trump country. It is majority Trump country, just barely. But there's still 5.2 million people that voted for Biden in the state of Texas. Um, and in most other states, like the most extreme margins I saw were like 65% um, in some states, right? And th- that is extreme. But if you were to look at that entire area overall, I- I'll bet you're looking at no more than like a 
47-53 or like a 48-52. So we're closer together than we think. Like just, you know, the the 40,000 extra people that are going to vote for Trump doesn't make that entire state um, one way or another. Hmm. And this is why we should go with a popular vote and not with the fucking electoral college. Well, hopefully with time, we'll see that change, Jake. Um, I think... I think now would be an appropriate time to go to the report card. Go to the report card. Do you have um, the scale that you would like to use? Uh, you want to rate me in terms of swing states in the election? I like that. I like that. Very creative, Jake. I don't think you. I don't think you get told that enough how creative that is. I gotta give you. I got to give you Georgia, and here's why. Wow. Often overlooked place, and as you know, you have a voice for radio. Very mundane, can be overlooked at times. You think it's going one way, you're paying attention, you're paying attention to everybody else, and then all of a sudden you come in and you, you rear your head and you're the topic of the conversation. I think that it mimics your personality. I think you're very much a Georgia. I think... I think that you're in Ohio, mm-hmm. and Ohio has not been a swing state in this election, so you might be curious why I picked that. But it's because Ohio always wants to keep everyone curious, right? Ohio thinks of themselves as a swing state still, where people need to campaign, et cetera. It's a battleground state, right? Yep. And so, you know, they stay a little, you know, by curious, however you want to call it going up to the election, like, oh, you know, maybe we'll swing one way or the other. And then, boom, election hits, and you see what's really underneath. And, and I'm not saying that you're, you know, the Trump kind or whatever. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you keep people intrigued. Maybe we're going to do something a little different, you know. Maybe we're going to go to this different brunch spot or whatever. And then you're sitting in that brunch spot, and you, you realize, like, oh, no, this is same old Saturday. But I like that Saturday. There's good parts in Ohio. There's a lot of bad parts, too. There's a lot of good parts of Ohio. Oh, man. Makes me think. Thank you, Jake. That's very touching of you. Makes me think of Original Joe's. Shout out. uh, Unofficial sponsor in San Francisco. Uh, Original Joe's, Elite Cafe, Ella's. Mm, Yeah, the memories. Home home plate. Memories. Well, it's good to see you migrating west again. Maybe I'll meet you halfway. You've made attempts that... Maybe this podcast deserves to be mountain time. Who knows where where it takes us? Five years running, Jake. It's been a f- terrific run, and I can't wait for the next five years. Uh, thank you if you've lasted this long, and uh, until next time. Absolutely. Thank you, Seamus.